0: This is transistor.fm.
1: Hey folks, welcome back to the product people podcast. Justin Jackson here, and we are getting closer to a hundred episodes of this show. It's been around for a while, it's been around since 2012. But we have not yet crossed the mighty 100 episodes. And I, I think we're going to get close. I, I'm publishing more often. And uh, today I've got a great conversation with Derek Reimer and Ben Ornstein from over at the Art of Product Man, we really got into it. Three product people in one conversation. Uh, ben is working on a new pair programming app called Tuple. Derek Reimer is launching a Slack competitor for developers um, called Level.app. And uh, of course, I'm working on Transistor.fm. Wow. Yeah, it was great. So I'm, I've just... Sharing a little bit of the conversation to get the whole thing, go over to artofproductpodcast.com and subscribe. Also, before we get into it, my birthday's coming up and it's become a little tradition for me to have a birthday sale. Uh, I'm turning 38 this year, so 38% off on a bunch of things. Uh, Product validation checklist is 38% off. Also, all my books, so Marketing for Devs, Jolt, Product Hunt, Hacker News, you can get that in a big bundle for 38% off. And then, of course, like I mentioned last time, the Marketing for Developers course, which you'll only be able to buy until July, is $50 off right now. Megamaker.co slash birthday, if you want those deals as I speak right now there's only six days and 14 hours left so if you want one of those jump on it Uh, lots of folks getting in on that product validation checklist uh, and getting a lot of value out of it too so check it out Um, yeah why don't we get into this conversation just a few clips from my chat with Ben and Derek here we go
0: we haven't had editing problems so they're doing keep it up keep it up whatever folks. you're doing back there this, this, <laughs> yeah, i like I, awesome.
1: I like talking to the editor that's my favorite thing like hey yeah, yeah. are Hold you it. there are you still there can you hear me
2: the funny <laughs> thing I is i have edit. no clue who the human is that's editing this like yeah <laughs> yeah i don't yeah. know if it's becky we just get like a random email from becky but i don't know if that's just an admin or <laughs> or
0: a manufactured persona hi becky yeah <laughs> so uh, welcome to art of product justin jackson Hey, thanks. Good to be here. How's it going?
1: I want to say, yeah, things are great, but things are good. Things are, you know, it feels like there's a lot, it's a lot of work to build something, especially on the side. So I would also say I feel tired and feel like it's going slow and all that, all that stuff.
0: Totally. Yeah, I definitely want to dig into that. One of my explicit questions for you is like, how's your brain? What's your mental state like? <laughs> mm-hmm. I asked Derek this too. But yeah, I think we can, yeah, we'll we all commiserate perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's been a fun, a fun week in the
2: land of level um, the last few days because I decided sort of, um, uh, off the cuff to launch a new landing page, and I've been working on it for a little while, doing some copywriting, trying to craft something impactful about um, kind of the level value proposition. And um, I talked about this a little bit last time, but wanted to experiment with uh, leveraging scarcity as a means for attracting new signups uh, onto the pre-launch list. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so the basically, I had a a, a short long form. Um, landing page um, up on level.app. And at the bottom, the call to action was reserve your handle. Uh, basically like we're still under development, but you can claim your slice of real estate for the future level. Uh, level.app slash your username of choice and submit this form to reserve it. So no one else can have it. And um, that worked exceedingly well. Mm-hmm. Um, so as of right now, there's 2300 ish people who have filled out that form. That's
0: awesome. Yeah.
2: No. Way. So, and
0: I can, yeah i gotta say that's just savvy af i just saw that that was (laughs) such a smart move and then like seeing it work so well i was like yeah that was just just well done props on that yeah yeah thank you well feel free to
2: like rip it off totally <laughs> oh, yeah no i oh, don't worry <laughs> i certainly was not the first person to do it so i'm sure, sure. I, i'm sure i like took inspiration from someone else out there
1: <laughs> i also just like this landing page that i like that it's like kind of a long form letter it's almost yeah. all words it has a really strong uh headline remember that time you forgot to open slack there's just yeah. a lot to like about this and then you know people get to the bottom and it's like okay reserve your handle there's yeah
2: it, this is great yeah thank you I, yeah and it's it's funny how these come like the, this landing page came together pretty quickly and i spent a few weeks kind of just occasionally jumping back over to it and writing some copy and then scrapping it and there was just like one writing period where i was like hmm, what if i took this angle and i like wrote that headline and then everything else just sort of flowed i just sort of started to tell a story and so it was like weeks of time here and there spent on it
0: but it really came together in in an hour or two and yeah. so it's kind of fun yeah I, the, this idea i keep tossing around in my head is like should i maybe for the long term be investing in my own design slash css skills hmm. and it kind of feels like the answer is probably not but at the same time i just i see how you're able to execute on this and i'm like damn i wish we could do that too yeah i don't know justin do you have thoughts on that
1: hmm. Hmm. here here's i'm gonna say something that might upset some people. <laughs> uh I think to me it seems like design is easier to learn, at least easier to learn the fundamentals than other things. And if you are already interested in having good taste and you know uh so Ben, for example, you've got good taste in lots of other things, like music and you know, you, you have a high bar for quality. I think your personality would lend itself well to design because there's just it there's a lot of rules around it, there's a lot of what makes good design and if you follow those things, you can learn those fundamentals and basically be good at design. Design feels more accessible for me than programming does. So, mm-hmm. uh, I ask myself this question all the time, should I should I learn more programming should i learn more design should i learn and design is one where i'm like ah you know i could read this book or read this blog post and apply a few things and massively improve uh you know my design whereas programming it's just like i can't get into that headspace as soon Mm. as you say variables and classes and all that stuff i'm just like ah i just it's just a lot harder for me to to get into it so Mm. that that's that's kind of, and it it seems like design something you could work on every day. Like, okay, what am I gonna? Let me just look at typefaces. Like, how how can I get better at typefaces, and then you know apply something like that.
2: Yeah, I think a lot of us are like Steve has mentioned this before when I've t- when I've talked to him and been like, well, I'm not really a designer. He's like, a- actually, a lot of us are designers because in one sense, we all sort of have opinions about what we think looks nice, and what's Mm -hmm. usable and what feels nice. And I think the the hard part is like, being able to connect the two where you know, you look at something, you know, whether it's well designed or not, but then being able to reproduce it, uh, you sort of have to, um, you have to acquire those skills. And it's different than just knowing whether something is well designed, but knowing knowing is is half the battle. (laughs) And then yeah, Mm -hmm. that gap. And so I remember when I would try to design stuff, Um, you know, years ago, it would just take a really long time and it was pretty agonizing because I knew what I was putting out didn't look how I wanted it to look, but I didn't know what next steps to take to get it to feel right. Mm -hmm. And so it was a lot of like trial and error and experimentation and I would end up with something, but it would take way longer than it would take a professional designer who could probably knock it out in a day. Mm -hmm. And then I think it's just through deliberate practice and doing it over and over again, you sort of pick up your little tool belt of Design patterns that you like to reach for, and it gradually gets easier.
1: Yeah. Mm. I think the other thing is if you enjoy writing, um, so for design on the web, so much of the design follows the words. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we just went through, um, we were, we're building our official web page for Transistor. And we went, we started with some mock ups that a designer had made us a long time ago. And they look right. But I wish I had started with the words because now I'm I'm wrestling this thing and feeling like, ah, like I'm actually really jealous of what you have with level because that is exactly kind of what I would like. That's the form I can see myself mm-hmm. pouring into. But now if, you know, so much of, so much, especially templated design, it's like, ah, like this is, there's all these little pockets I've got to, it's like, Filling a cookie tray and, you know, you got to fill everything this way. And it's like, ah, I don't want to do that. I want to I want to mm-hmm. be able to start with words. So if you're already a good writer and you can put the, the writing on the page and then you can say, OK, how can I enhance this writing? And it's like, mm-hmm. OK, well, I can add padding. Oh, wow, that looks a lot better. I can add more line height. Oh, that feels better. I can increase the typeface size. I can you know, do all these things and it just feels better and better and better. Whereas uh maybe some folks think that design is starting with a blank sheet in sketch hmm. and yeah. then you know building something and uh I've never been very good at that
0: It feels like it's an achievable skill set to me mm-hmm. Where it's I think the taste I think my taste is pretty decent, so that's kind of already there and i I think like most web things or most modern things, it's never been easier to learn these skills. Mm-hmm. There are more courses mm-hmm. for like picking up design skills or and like learning the the hairiness uh, that is css uh all that stuff is is more common than ever Mm -hmm. so it's like okay this is probably not a huge leap to get there but there are so many things that i could focus on right now Mm -hmm. and is that the the highest leverage thing yeah it's annoying right now but like a year from now will the 100 hours poured into this make sense or will it be kind of like now i'm not doing any of this Yeah. yeah it's tough to say
1: yeah it is hard
0: so Derek, you, I, I saw you get a lot of play on your uh, share this tweet thing. Yeah. People signed up.
2: Yeah, that, that worked well. And I think it kind of goes back to that, um, that lesson we picked up from MicroConf, which is just like, just ask people for a favor. In yeah. a genuine way, and so that's what I did when they submitted the form. I just swapped it out with like a, a little emoji, like "sweet, we saved your handle for you." If you could do us a big favor, it would help out a lot if you just, you know, tweet this out to your friends. Here's a here's a tweet button for you.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: um, I haven't got through and counted, but it was quite a few. Like I was sort of checking in on that uh, throughout the day, and there was a steady stream of them uh, getting spread around.
1: Yeah, yeah. Can I can I tell you what I think is the missing uh, the essential piece of that? What. Uh, the So there's a lot of folks that do stuff like that. There's a uh, thunderclap or whatever. Yeah. This is why I did it, is because I saw other people I knew and respected doing it, and mm-hmm. I had a relationship with you. And so I think outside of that context, those kinds of things are much more difficult. Because if yeah. if you're just some random faceless app, and you're asking me to tweet something to my audience just because I signed up, I'm not going to do it. There's, there's no, right. but there's a, an emotional job there, which is I like Derek. I want to let Derek know that I'm supporting him. That's a huge one, I think.
2: Yeah, and yep, for
1: sure. And also, uh, you know, other folks I like are doing it. So there's this kind of pack. It's, this is acceptable within my, you know, my group, Whereas if if I like did a random thunderclap for a random app, people would be like, Justin, what are you doing? Like, this is Mm -hmm. cheesy or, you know, whatever. So I think that's the missing piece. That's not like a tactic people can just take off the shelf and apply. You've really got to invest in relationships and your profile and all those other things beforehand. So you got to earn the right to ask before you ask.
2: I think that's a great, that's a great point. And I think it helps too that like there's um, the people who were sort of amplifying the message were in our relatively tight knit community of, of, you know, founders, developers, designers. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it sort of did help that I think others, others saw it and that sort of like led to others then feeling more. Uh, likely to click the button mm-hmm. um is there any do, do you recall did you see the copy and was there anything that you would have changed on the the ask um i can pull up what the actual verbiage is but
1: i uh, i changed the tweet uh just because i didn't want to have the same thing as everyone else yeah. yeah um but i think you know there was also something nice about just seeing it wasn't like again sometimes i see those thunderclaps and i'm like ah Everybody is tweeting this stupid thing, whereas this was like, "Oh, another person signed up for level for Derek's thing. That's cool." Uh, and mm-hmm. so I think, yeah, to me, it, it was well executed.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I think that that point is something that we've actually come to a couple times on this podcast, where the the best way to make a thing that works is to spend a few years building relationships and a reputation and an audience. And then try to do a thing. And it turns out it's going to be a lot easier than if you hadn't.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And there's different ways to do that. I mean, And, and there, actually, there is other ways to do this. Like, Ruben Gamez sure. does not care at all about building an audience or a profile or anything. Uh, uh, to a certain extent, Ian Landsman is like this. Uh, and, you know, they just want to build the product and then find a chan, you know, SEO or something else. But... Uh, it is one way to stand out is Mm -hmm. hey this is Derek you might remember me from the conference you might remember me from drip you might remember me from twitter and uh now I'm doing something new do you want to share this and it's just so personal I think uh Nate Cotney when he had draft well he still has draft I think uh he did -hmm. this so well he had uh a page with him and his dog on it and just saying hey this is me Derek and I'm just a guy building software and uh, I like to write I like to program here's my dog and that personal approach really stands out on the internet where you know a lot of websites just look like faceless brands and uh, yeah so I think there's multiple ways to do it and this is one good way to do it yeah.
2: Yeah, I think the the transparency, the level of transparency that I've chosen to use with this has made the process so much more fun than it would be if I were just trying to like, you know, yeah, I could be going the more anonymous route, hiring a, you know, um, like someone to write content and produce blog articles, try to build up SEO, try to do, you know, paid ads and just get at different channels that way. But like getting that real time feedback from actual humans who are excited about it and mm-hmm. and feel like they're on board with the journey has been. Uh it's been a lot of what keeps me going on the day to day, you mm-hmm. know.
0: Yeah. I'm also pretty convinced that people like buying from people they like. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think you will win customers who might have chosen other things just because like, well, let's use Derek's thing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, exactly. There's again, I I keep balancing this in my head because I know there's other approaches. And I think this is why it's important to identify what you want. What do you want? Uh, what do you mm-hmm. value? What do you like? And I'm exactly like you, Ben. I like buying from people I like. And so, uh, you know, I've I've purchased every single thing Jason Freed has ever made, I think. like, And it's just because I liked his writing from the beginning. I could identify with him. Uh, and so his next book that comes out, I'm going to buy it. Just because I, I don't even need to read the reviews. I just like him. I like his writing. I'm done, right? Uh but, you know, other people might not buy that way. They might not appreciate that. They might not value that. But that's that's the way I buy, and those are like one of my values is buying from people I know, building relationships. And so, yeah. I although I also think that there is just humans in general, and maybe this is what you're getting to, Ben. Humans in general respond to people that know them or uh, you know, have have some sort of connection with them. And mm-hmm. so uh, that, I think there's something to that as well. If, if you can be personal with folks and, you know, you can say, like Derek asking, can you share this thing, is almost just a continuation of a conversation at MicroConf. Like mm-hmm. we, we were talking sure. about where to go for lunch. And then a week later, he reaches out on his website and says, hey, can you share this thing? It feels like, oh yeah, yeah, sure, Derek. Yeah, right. Yeah. So yeah, I think there's something to that too.
0: It's also one of those things that you just can't re- you can't uh reproduce on the fly mm-hmm. or like buy or bi- like it, you have to build it the slow way authentically. Yeah. And and that makes it uh, a competitive advantage effectively.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Like you can't Slack will never have that feeling for me that helping out my buddy Derek will have ever. So it's like no matter how big their budget or whatever is, it's just you can't you can't compete with that.
1: Yeah. Do you think because I've only I've only built really small things. So I've never had to scale beyond that initial group. Do you think mm. eventually you just you can't do that anymore? Or is it a scalable competitive advantage?
2: Well, I feel like Basecamp is one example of Yeah. I think they still feel very connected to their core um, their core audience and a lot of what their marketing is, they don't they, they say this, they don't do a lot of marketing um deliberately and they don't care about seo and they don't care about a lot of the things that traditional marketers care about but they their biggest form i think is is like writing medium posts and tweeting and being just in the community um so i but i think they're in so many ways they're such an anomaly and so i don't know like if they're Mm -hmm. just if they've just really mastered their craft um Mm -hmm. or if it's really like or if there's something else special about their you know, maybe it's them being early, them being so infused in the, in the you know mindshare of, of our community. But um, yeah, I, I look to them for inspiration on many fronts. And that's certainly one of them.
0: Mm-hmm. I think it's a question of degree. There's a limit to the number of people that you can have dinner with yeah. or mm-hmm. like spend yeah. a weekend with. But I, I do routinely get people emailing me or tweeting at me who, who do seem to feel a personal connection. Mm-hmm. Even though, like, it's been basically entirely one way. But they're like, I've listened to Art of Product and then before that Giant Robots and I've, like, followed a lot of your work over the years. And it's it's pretty clear to me that they feel at least some sort of connection there. Yeah. And not quite the same as if, you know, we had hung out together. But yeah. I think it's actually fairly scalable, at least at a, a reasonable level. hmm
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I think there's, like, uh... Folks probably feel like they know Seth Godin, like they feel like, oh, I've been reading his mm. stuff forever, oh. and I feel like I have a connection with him. Or so, yeah. I I just wonder how scalable it is because I don't know. I like mm-hmm. eventually, that that might not be a strategy. And also, we don't really know Basecamp's numbers. We don't know. Like maybe twenty five percent or ten percent of their customers know who Jason Fried is, but maybe sure. the rest of them have no idea, and they're just like, "This is just a great product. It was recommended to me by a friend." So yeah, it's hard to tell what's going on for real.
0: Well, shall we continue with updates? <laughs> yeah, we shall. It's a, a fun little digression, though. Let's let's not. I show. know. I thought that was good. All right. Um, so it's been a really good week. Um, I actually. Have uh, pre-sold seven hundred dollars worth of uh, tuple accounts. What? Whoa! Uh, yeah, very nice. And I have verbal yeses for another five hundred on top of that that have not come in, but I suspect will.
1: Wow! And how did you do that? How did you get that? Those pre-orders.
0: Um. So I have basically been keeping a uh, notes dot app note on my phone. Yeah. As I talked to people about this. Uh, a lot of it was at MicroConf. People had heard the podcast and they were like, hey, I heard that thing you're making. And when someone would be like, hey, I'm like really interested, I'd say, well, we are going to be at one point running an alpha and it's going to cost some money. But uh, if you're interested, if they seem like a good fit, then I would take down their email. And so I've just been working my way down that list and saying, hey, it's good to see you. Remember that thing? It's happening. Do you want to get in on this? Wow.
1: Yeah. That's the kind of the, the Jason Cohen WP Engine approach of asking for a check before you build it.
0: Totally. Yeah. I, this is, it's, it's, it's just sort of like the next step for me for validation where it's like, yeah, everyone says they're excited, but can I actually get any dollars? Yeah. And so I've just been saying, Hey, like we're building this thing. Um, we're going to start alpha soon. I can't tell you when it's going to, we're going to have a thing in your hands, but like we are building it right now. We're, we're, we're still in code. Um, we're looking for a handful of people, about 20 people that I'm probably in a cap at, at that number. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, uh, we're, we're looking for people that would give good feedback and use the product. And so, uh, here is basically to get in, I'm asking people to buy, uh, an annual plan effectively saying like, we're going to give you access through the whole alpha plus a year after, uh, at a discount over what we're expecting our monthly rate to be. Uh, wow. so what do you think? And Very
2: total- nice. Uh, qu- question, question. How many people did you ask and did you get, what was your ratio of no's to yeses? Um, uh,
0: really good. So, so far I have asked, uh, t- 12 people i got uh one straight up no and he he says no was like that's actually a reasonable price i just can't afford it um mm-hmm. and so i was like fine uh the and then the then, we, then i have one two three four 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 paid already two verbal yeses and then i have four that are out that i haven't heard back from
1: that's awesome y- you don't even have a website for this yet do you no nope. so you're just like <laughs> you're just going into stripe and just like creating a thing and then
0: yeah so they have a thing now, which is great, which is like hosted uh, invoices. Okay. So I can create an invoice and send it to somebody via email and they go to like a Stripe, a page on a Stripe site and just fill in their thing.
1: Wow. You
0: don't- or they can even accept ACH, which is really cool.
1: You don't even like need a, a landing page here. anymore. You just need a spreadsheet with a bunch of people's names on it. Yeah, pretty
0: much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've <laughs> a few years of building relationships with yeah. people over the, yeah. over the internet. <laughs> yeah. um, but one thing I have been doing is... Uh, so we have a landing page mock-up. So I've been attaching a screenshot of that to the email and saying, just so you can see like what we're thinking and you know. Oh, yeah. what we're planning on. Doing.
1: That's cool. And I
0: think that probably helps. It'd, yeah. it'd
1: be cool if the Stripe app had this built in, because then... Maybe they do, but then you could have been at the conference and they could have said, yeah, I want to do that. You could go, oh, hey, do you want to pay for it right now? And then you could have mm. just like done the invoice on the app or whatever, uh, mm-hmm. because then it would, would be immediate. Cool. It would be like, you know, like, do you... It's even harder would, to say no to that it's, in person. It's too. Hard, I it's harder to say no, but then you would instantly get like, you know, their reaction. You'd get uh, if they had more questions. And it feels like, I don't know, maybe you, you folks are different. But it feels like if I'm in person and I can't sell you on my thing, then mm. how, how am I ever going to do that on the internet? Like, you're right there. Mm. And mm-hmm. uh, I've, you know, I've had people come up to me at MicroCoff and go, so tell me, why should I get marketing for developers? And I'm like, "Like uh, like, <laughs> you know, and it's hard doing that in person. But if you can do it in person and nail it, then, man, you can nail it anywhere, so, Stripe, if you're listening, add that to your app. <laughs> <laughs> this is how people are using Stripe invoicing.
0: So, we're basically optimizing right now for, like, get things in people's hands quickly and, like, keep the validation game going and the feedback thing going.
1: Yeah. Can I, can I ask you a question, Ben? Always. <laughs> so, I, I go to Twitter, and there's nothing <laughs> about Tuple on, I, know, on yep. I go to BenOrnstein.com. There's nothing about Tuple. There, if mm-hmm. I go to your media tweets, there's no screenshots that I can see. At least not in the first little bit. Is that a mm-hmm. is that a a purposeful decision? Like you're purposefully not building in public, or you're purposefully not sharing too much?
0: I um, it's it's sort of a failure is, is one <laughs> part of it. Like part of it's just like no, that's bad, and you shouldn't do it this way. And I I'm messing up. Mm. Um, part of it is just that like I don't have a visual thing. Or, or like a website or a landing page or anything to share yet. Yeah. Uh so it's like I do want to like as soon as we launch our landing page, all of those places will point at tuple for sure. Yeah. Um although I, I take your point and I, I agree with it, I think, which is like I could still be sharing some things, like updates and yeah. teasing things. Well, and just, screenshots. Even just and a, whatever. a pinned
1: tweet or something to say, hey, it's been this is totally. what I'm working on right now. Uh and it's not ready yet. But the uh Ironically, again, when you've built relationships with folks and you've you've and people are kind of interested in what you're doing, they will mm-hmm. heart and retweet those sometimes because they're like, "Oh, look what Ben's doing," and yeah. uh, they just make great pinned tweets because then you can see, "Oh, this is what he's up to now."
0: Yeah, I, I, yeah, this is is not ideal. You're you're right to point it out.
1: I think that's good advice actually for anybody is is to at least it's also good practice for saying you could say. Uh, it's it's like exactly the elevator pitch or the elevator question like hey Ben what are you doing right now? Oh well you know how screen sharing is a real pain in the ass yeah uh, I mean or pair programming over the web or whatever yep. Yep. um and I'm actually literally like mining my brain for like what the hell is tuple right now I'm guessing I think it's screen sharing and and uh, pair yeah. programming Remote
0: pair programming Re- is the word yeah. right with
1: and so you know how that all sucks? Yeah, that totally sucks. Well, we're building a tool that makes it way better because of this and this and this. Well, that makes yep. a great pinned tweet, whether you have 50 followers or a 1,000 or whatever, that you're practicing telling your story. And Mm-mm. yeah, I got to get better at this too. Like I still uh, don't always have that even nailed myself. Like, a, you know, what does what makes Transistor better? Well, <sighs> You know, I got, it's hard to articulate those things, but when you practice them, mm. it becomes easier, I think.
0: hmm Yeah. Yeah. I guess I, I've, I've been holding back because I didn't have somewhere to send people where it's like, mm-hmm. I'm working on a thing mm-hmm. and you should, uh, know about yeah. it. Yeah. It's, <laughs> you should know. Yeah. Uh, but it's like what I really want to, I've kind of been like saving some of that, uh, ammunition, I guess for like, yeah. and you should go here yeah. and sign up for updates, I guess. Yeah. But maybe that's. I mean, Uh, something you could do too, like the product, the product hunt ship page.
2: Um, That's what I did for a few weeks. Like, and I just set up a, it's actually up on GitHub, like level HQ slash website. And it's just a static site with an iframe. So Mm, I put that on that app for a little while. And the nice thing about that is it, it has a little bit of the social, um, social proof built into it where if you're on signed into product hunt, it shows who of your, friends have also subscribed Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. you can import your existing list into there so um Mm -hmm. i mean it it didn't really like every time someone would subscribe i'd sort of watch and see if there's a little bump in like others who maybe saw the saw it on product hunt and like also signed on and there didn't seem to be a lot of network effects happening for mine which is why i've i've transitioned off of that Mm -hmm. um to the longer form page but it at least got me by for a few weeks
1: Yeah. Mm yeah there's a few other tricks Two. One is you could take a clip of you describing in this podcast what Tuple is, and then you could say, mm. hey, I'm working on something new. Check it out. And it's just like a, a sound clip on Twitter. Um, you mm-hmm. could do it the same with video. Here's a little clip of a video. You could you know, record a phone conversation with your partners. And it's just like mm-hmm. the anticipation, like building anticipation and leaving little teases and hints is a, a massively underrated uh, way to kind of build up to a launch. And, mm-hmm. um, the, just even saying, Hey, I'm working on something, something new, something that I'll give you, mm-hmm. I'll give you a little hint. It's in, it's for remote, uh, programmers or something. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. at least I know now. And, uh, again, people remember those things. So you're, you're cluing them in like, Oh, Ben's on a journey. I'm, I'm going to go on that journey. Right, And you probably need more of those. I think most people need more of those than they think they do. Like some people yeah. might think Ben is still working full time. Some people might think totally. Ben is, you know, some people might think Derek's still at drip. Uh, like mm-hmm. that you, you need to kind of leave this, bre- this uh, breadcrumb trail for folks, mm. uh, especially if you've invested a lot in your relationships and profile. People need something to like follow. And you can do that without mm-hmm. a landing page or a mailing list or anything. You can just say, hey, I'm working on something new. Here's a little. And Adam Wathen is absolutely
0: the king of this. I was just going to say yeah, that. Like mm-hmm. it, it, Adam is <laughs> listening to this going, duh. He kills me.
1: Like, <laughs> I mean, I'm a good talker, yeah. but he is the best at just going, oh, like, this is interesting. I should just share this little thing. And, yep. yeah, of course, people find it interesting, right? So,
0: yeah. And then yeah. when you launch, it feels familiar. Mm-hmm. Like people are like, "Oh yeah, this is that thing he's been working on. I've been hearing about this." Oh, there you. Go. There's that that thing that he sh- showed a, showed a screenshot of.
1: Yeah, yeah. You you people need more time than you think they do. Uh, if all of a sudden mm-hmm. I just you know woke up one day and said, "Hey, I launched a podcast hosting application," people are like, "Whoa, whoa!" Uh, but if yeah. if I if I tell them you know three six months ahead, they're all immediately thinking. Should I have a podcast? Do I need to host a podcast? Do I know people that are hosting a podcast? Do I, you know, mm-hmm. what problems have I encountered with that? Oh, uh, we're in a meeting and my boss wants us to start a podcast for a company. Oh, yeah, Justin's starting that thing. It just gives them time to process it as opposed to just surprising them like, hey, surprise, hey, I got something new. Uh, people yeah. need time to process things. So you get, when you give them that time, it's... Uh, it's in your favor, right? All mm-hmm.
0: All right, fine.
1: I'll tweet about it.
0: <laughs> Even this mastermind is brutal. <laughs>
1: <laughs> is this how long updates usually take? This is a long...
0: <laughs> God, no, no, no. That's how long a whole epi- uh, single episode takes?
1: Listeners are like, "What the?" Um, so I'm working on a new podcast hosting application called transistor.fm with uh, my buddy, John. We've been doing it. Well, we signed uh, our partnership agreement in February or something, but we've been working on it since January and he was working on it even before then. So he had built like a, a MVP that our first customer cards against humanity could use. And uh, so they've been hosting their podcast since December, I think. And, uh, but we're both doing it part time. And uh, so John works full time for cards. And I Uh. have a business. I I think actually he's in the better situation because it's so easy to work on transistor. And my regular business is basically selling this course, marketing for developers, doing coaching calls, doing, you know, like that kind of stuff. And it's really easy to just want to. Do this other do transistor, so I think we're Mm. both struggling with that a bit. We're 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 I mean we keep launching new features every week. We're getting closer. We have about I think about seventy early access customers.
0: Wow, paying customers. Paying
1: customers, yeah. Nice. Uh, I think John wanted it to be ten, but I just keep inviting people, Uh, (laughs) and uh, we're. Our initial plan, our sorry, current plan, is that he's going to fly here to British Columbia and we're going to launch officially in July. So oh. we'll see, we'll see uh, if that happens. Uh, and actually, most recently, what we've been doing, we have a podcast called Build Your SaaS, and we, we, just, we, we are always kind of like, okay, here's the topic. We're going to figure out pricing. And so in the midst of the conversation, we're like supposed to figure out what we're going to do and we got into this pricing conversation we're like wow this is a we can't figure this out on air like we need to mm. we really need to chew on this and so mm. uh one one thing we're trying to do we're both in our late 30s and i think i probably everyone has this propensity but there's this propensity to always want to make it seem like you have all the answers and that you're You know, I've been working with SaaS companies since 2008. Like, I should know this stuff. Mm. But uh, we're really trying to bury our egos and reach out for help whenever we can. Massively helpful because our initial ideas for pricing were dumb. Like, they were just dumb. Mm. And it's so funny. You know, I don't know what that saying is. You can't see the force for the trees or whatever when the trees are right in front of you, like you're in the forest Mm -hmm. and you just can't see, you're looking around and you just, you're in the weeds, having someone else and it can, sometimes they don't even need to have a lot of expertise, but someone else that can just look at your situation and go, well, there's a lot of other stuff I'm seeing that you're not seeing. Mm -hmm. And to have a bunch of those conversations and basically every single person was aligned. They're all like. I would not price it that way. So we were going to price it based on number mm. of shows. Um, mm. Because in the enterprise space, in the podcast enterprise space, that's what people do. Because th- they're selling to radio stations and big podcast networks. But that's not our target market. Our target market is, we think, is businesses. Specifically tech businesses that want a podcast. And so mm. uh, they're like, this is a bad way to price and it doesn't, your, your value proposition doesn't scale with your main cost center, which is bandwidth. So, mm. why are you going to, like, how much is it, like, Cards Against Humanities had 3.8 million downloads since they launched? It's like, mm. I, 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 are you guys losing money on them? And we're like, well, we don't know. We might be. We, we have. They're like, well, you should definitely make your pricing, if you can, it, it's better to have your main. Value proposition relate to your main cost center and have expansion revenue kind of go with that, right so the more mm. so what they were suggesting is downloads number of downloads. the more downloads you get, the more you get charged It's also mm. theoretically the main thing people want, like when we do interviews with customers yeah. they're like we're like what's the number one thing you want? more listeners that's what they want so. Right. Um, that's what we're working on right now, um, and uh, getting getting closer to to that. Figuring out, you know, what we're going to charge initially, and uh, mm-hmm. that's kind of like the last piece. It feels like we have lots more product stuff we want to build, but that that's the piece we want to have in place so that we can launch in July. I take it. Yeah, I've also been thinking a lot about. Uh, uh, about, I, I called it activation because actually, and while you're talking, Ben, this, this triggered something in me, um, which is you, you've been able to get people to pay for something that doesn't exist, which is an incredible thing. Like that's, uh, and Derek, you've been able to get someone to sign up for something that doesn't exist, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. incredible. It, it shows that, you know, you've invested all those things that we talked about, like you've invested in community, you've clearly, you've got a, a hook, That is hooking people. And I think all of that stuff's incredible. What I've been thinking about lately, though, is what comes after that, which is, sure, I can get people to sign up. I can even get people to pay for this. But can I get people to use it and keep using it? And I think that's one thing that worries me that keeps me up at night a little bit is uh, I'm sure for all of our apps, like every app needs usage. But specifically in podcasting, if people are not creating shows and they're not mm-hmm. uploading episodes, that is going to be very bad for our business long term. And so mm. activation and usage is something that's on my mind. And I think in the ebook course space, we get a lot of people who do not activate, they just buy and we're happy to take their money. <laughs> but in the long term, it's very difficult to build a business off those folks uh because they if they've never if they never use it they never get success if they never get success they don't tell people about it if they don't you mm-hmm. know they never want to upgrade they never want to get to the next step and um because I've been in the ebook course space for the past 2 years I'm I'm really thinking man I ne- it's not enough to take people's money I really need something that is I can invest in and that naturally expands as people use it there's a, there's this activation and usage that leads to further revenue as opposed to me investing in this thing that sure i got people's money but then i'm done um
0: Derek, do you want to take this
2: one or should i <laughs> i so i've got some thoughts but then you can go so so like so you're building a service right and uh the service is software you're hosting podcasts yeah. but uh something that's really kind of interesting about stripes strategy is that you know they've, they're have they launching atlas to help you start companies and they're doing that because they want to make it the on-ramp easier for people to build businesses which will then in turn turn into uh you know <laughs> revenue that is built through stripe and so that's like they're investing in this other thing that ends up um sort of this virtuous cycle of revenue back into their company mm-hmm. so for you it would be you know perhaps something like like what can you do as a company to uh to help encourage people to continue creating. and mm-hmm. um, I don't even know what this is, if it's education or if there's some software
0: that, that some technical component that helps with that free mm-hmm. um, interject. Then I'm going, I'm going even one, one level further, which yeah. is you're building a podcast host, but no one wants a podcast host. Mm-hmm. They want a podcast mm-hmm. and they yeah. want downloads. And they've already told you that they want a bunch of downloads. Yeah. So like, I feel like you need to talk to Brian castle Mm -hmm. and talk to him about his done for you. We make a podcast for you for your business service. Yeah. And like, I don't know if that's a business you want to run, but like that to me is the ultimate answer. It's like, Oh, they didn't actually start making episodes. Like, well, damn it. We have a plan. Mm -hmm. It costs a lot, Yeah, but we make episodes. We make sure you make episodes.
1: Yeah. 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 We're already, we were already, we've already done experiments with that. Um, with, Mm -hmm. do we want to be in the done for you? Uh, and, uh, yeah, I think there is something there for sure. I think there's also opportunities in software, but it's, it's likely we're going to have to partner with folks like Castle. Uh, my friend Adam Clark has a new company called Podcast Royale that does this, and he's already, mm-hmm. he's already referring customers to us. So we can see, okay, wow, this is one way to do it, right? Yep. Uh, and I think there's also... I haven't, I haven't quite figured this out, but um, I had one founder reach out to me. And say, I want, I've always wanted a podcast, but I want a co-host in the beginning. Like, I want you, Justin, to be my co-host so that I can experiment with this and have some confidence and all the So there is, those pieces are there for sure. Yeah. Uh, Although it also, it still makes me worried (laughs) because, you know, like, uh, it's hard making a podcast. It's hard doing it every week. And um. The, the nice thing about downloads, though, that is encouraging is one problem in the podcast hosting industry is dead shows or uh, shows that are not being updated anymore. And uh, the because I can see now all of our new early access users, how many downloads they get, and I've transferred my shows. So Product People, um, which is a show I update occasionally, is one of the shows I imported. Well, it's... It goes like Cards Against Humanity, and then Product People is number two. And so mm-hmm. for a, a, it's a show that's not updated very often, but still gets lots of downloads. And so there's benefit there. I'm still getting the benefit from those shows. And so mm-hmm. this idea that folks, instead of thinking, I only get benefit from this if I'm uploading new shows, as instead they're thinking, I invest in this, and maybe I do a season And I still get the benefit for a long, long time. If it's, you know, like Seth Godin's startup school, if you ever search startup, Mm -hmm. it's like super old, never updated. It's still like number one on iTunes. Um, Mm -hmm. That's still, it's like an asset that just sits there. And, you know, so that makes me feel a little bit better that if we can just get people to make seven shows and they're getting Mm. enough benefit from that, then, you know, they might keep paying for a long time. It's like we've invested in this asset. It's still giving us a return.
2: Yeah. And I think like as much you can build into the product that demonstrates that people are still getting value out of the content they've produced, Mm -hmm. the better you're going to be. So with drip, it was always like, how can we put dollar signs everywhere in the app to show you like this campaign is earning you this much money or this activity is causing this conversion to happen at this stage in your funnel? Because, you know, the more attribution we could do, the more insights we could offer, um, you know, on like ways to improve or ways to get more uh, more people listening, more downloads, mm-hmm. uh, more reach. And I think there's probably some opportunities you could do with like mining data that you have figuring out like, hey, this was your most popular episode. And you talked about this and it was this length or this format, like
1: yeah.
2: try doing more of that. Uh, I don't know. Like, Yeah, that's a good idea.
0: I dig it. I hear I understand your fears, though. Like it's. So I I started a tiny little podcast hosting thing one time. Mm-hmm. And the thing I found with it was that it was totally an aspirational thing yes. for a lot of people. And it was like, you've always wanted to start a podcast, right? And they're like, heck yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, all right, we're going to do it. And then we would. And they would record like one episode. And they'd be like, yeah, that's enough for me. Yeah, mm-hmm. these, weren't, these weren't businesses. These were like, you know, casual people yeah. for sure. Yeah, But it, was, it wasn't like they're like, God, I need a podcast. They didn't wake up every morning thinking like, where's my podcast? Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. But they want the thing... It's just like anything. So I just signed up for write Message, And, mm-hmm. and it, I, I had a kind of a joke on Twitter, like how long it took Brennan to get me as a customer. It took him a long time. Like he, he mm-hmm. asked me, I've got like in this one Slack group I'm in, there's like 20 messages from Brennan like, hey, do you want to sign up? And I'm going to do it for my MegaMaker business. So books and courses. But I got in there once and, you know, fiddled around with a few things. And I haven't been back and now the clock is ticking because that initial inspiration is dying and Mm -hmm. now it's been a week. So now I'm starting to think, fuck, I paid 99 bucks for this. Like, uh, like I'm starting to get that feeling that you get when you haven't used Mm -hmm. something and Mm -hmm. it shows like if I can get some activation, if I can get, you know, and Brennan, if you're listening, this would be a good time to reach out and just set up my account for me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like, that's a great product. He's got, but I just ran into a few things. There was a few things I couldn't do. And I'm like, ah, whatever. I just, uh, I'm done. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's like that for a lot of products. You can't, uh, I mean, this is the death of project management apps is you're already using one and someone says, hey, do you want to check out mine? You're like, ah, sure. And you check it out. And you're like, okay, da-da-da. But until you really activate, until you get some sort of like um, investment in, sorry, in, yeah, you put something in and then you get something out. If that doesn't yep. happen pretty quick, then it's just on the back of your mind like, okay, I'm not going to cancel right away because Brennan's my friend. But <laughs> if three right. months go by and I haven't used this thing, I'm going to cancel. And that I think all products have that, that problem and even going back to the skateboard thing like you might buy a skateboard thinking yes i'm actually gonna go and learn to skateboard but it sits in your room for two weeks and then you know clothes get put on on it and then you know you the more it sits there the more you get guilty about it the more it it feels like a weight on you and -hmm. then you're like "Ah, forget it i'm never gonna learn how i'm just gonna give this to my little brother
0: yep yeah there's a really good talk at MicroConf that Justin Mares did. And at one point he mentioned, kind of offhandedly, we, uh, we did the math and we realized that customer success people caused such an increase in our activation rates and the expansion revenue that they paid for themselves. That hiring additional customer success people was profitable. Mm-hmm. And so we, once we realized that, we just started going nuts on that. Yeah. And it's and I'm, I'm sitting here thinking that for like maybe they have one at right message. I don't know, mm-hmm. but like if someone had like been keeping tabs on you and saying, "Hey, Justin is not actually activated. Like I'm gonna like reach out to him and maybe do some work for free if I need to to get him over that hump." Yeah.
1: And it, I think the challenge is it takes more than automated messages. Like I'm totally. I'm so right. used to getting automated messages. Like, hey, it looks like you haven't set up your thing. And then do you want to reach out? I'm like, absolutely. No, I work. don't want to do that. I just, oh. I want. Uh, this reminds me of like the first SaaS company I worked for was an email newsletter company. And I'm, I got started on customer support. And one of the things I realized was if I watched new accounts sign up and I would just go into their account, set up their template with their logo and stuff from their website. And then they would go into their account and it would be magically their, their newsletter template would have all the stuff from their website. And people loved it. Like, And uh, exactly that thing. They if, Whenever I did that with an account, they were like, it was like, I don't know, m- way more likely that they would sign up for a paid plan and stick around. And so yeah. I could see that, like customer support people like reaching out and just going. And again, it's almost like you got to be a bit ballsy, like reach out to me on Twitter DMs or, or something and say, hey, like, can I help you get this thing set up? The The automated approach... I don't know. I, I Maybe it works for other people, but I'm just getting, I, I'm so used to those, you know, pop-up uh, uh, intercom things. And intercom. Yeah. It's, it doesn't feel real. But if I, there's a real human being like, hey, we just want to help you out and get you started. I'd be like, okay, like mm-hmm. I'll, I'll do it. And yeah, maybe it doesn't scale or I don't know, but
0: but maybe, but that's the thing about Justin Maris is like that. It wasn't just like, hey, we're doing a thing that doesn't scale because we have to. It was like, actually, this makes money. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah, and, and for them, you could see like once people get it installed and it starts like generating revenue. Man, like I'm in, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's kind of again, like I don't know why more consultants don't do this is I get pitched all the time about stuff I do not. Care about at all. But if someone could, if someone noticed something like, like where I'm clearly getting stuck and reached out to me and said, Hey, like this is what I do for a living. I just get people unstuck from this thing. Do you want to pay me? I'd be like, Yes, like I will pay you for that right now because I'm, you know, that's something that uh, that is very applicable at this point in my life. Uh, It feels like people. They're, they're not good at recognizing those things where people are getting stuck or they don't care or I don't know. Um
2: yeah, so, many, so many of us want to build automated software companies where we I where we ideally don't have to talk to a single human being, mm-hmm. but like the the truly successful SaaS companies, I think, are the ones that when it makes sense to are Proactively doing as much for their customer as possible, and really emphasizing that service component—yeah, such a powerful thing.
1: Did you did was that your experience at Drip too? Like, is that something you leveraged?
2: Yeah, early on, we had our we called it our concierge service, and um, we would build an email course for you. So, like, we we sort of strategize like, what's the minimum path to awesome to getting value out of the product and uh, early early days when we were mostly centered around just like basic email follow-up campaigns we would uh we would do those for free for you uh based on i think we would take your some existing content off your blog and put together an email course for you and then uh, for a while i think we even did um uh some of the like fully done for you evergreen like give us some ideas and we'll go off and write a a five-part email course i think we did that for free for a while and then we started offering it for $500 maybe but um, yeah that stuff was huge in the early days and the services component is still a a big thing at least account migrations and now it's like you know drip is a much more complicated product Mm -hmm. but I think there's still like um, a big service
0: component that we have
1: yeah Mm. how could you use that though Ben with tuple
0: I was thinking that as you were talking Um, I don't know for sure Uh, I so one thing I've, I've thought about coming at it from a slightly different angle, which is not quite activation, but more like building the next generation of pair programmers. Mm. Because there's some people that feel like they should be pairing, but they don't mm. feel like they would be good at it or they're intimidated or they have concerns. Yeah. So one thing I strongly suspect that we will be building either as like a low cost product or for free is some sort of pairing course or book or something. Yeah. So
1: This is where being having a profile and having you know, a following could be helpful because if you're talking about pair programming all the time, that becomes the trigger, right? So it's mm. like you're, I'm on Twitter and I'm a Tuple customer and all of a sudden Ben's talking about pair programming. It's like, oh, yeah, I, I need to do that more. Or I should, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. or even just a, a human being like, um, you know, if you tweeted like, when was the last time you paired with the most junior person of your team? And mm. then you're like, whoa oh, yeah, when was the last time? It, that's a different than an automated message, and maybe that's your key is just, you For know. sure. Okay. Again, Adam Wathen is always getting people to think about testing and refactoring because he's talking about it mm-hmm. all the time. Like, I don't give a, can I swear on this program? I don't care at all <laughs> about uh, uh, refactoring. Like, I don't, but I'm thinking about it all the time because Adam's tweeting it yeah. all the time.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's providing, I mean, as corny as it sounds, it's being a thought leader in yeah. the tangential to the technology you're building or the business you're building
0: right yep and that's totally where where you want to be yeah yep it's like when I made a refactoring course for rails apps it was like yeah that makes sense a lot of people think of me as the refactoring guy Mm -hmm. and so I have to now become the pairing guy
1: yeah Alright, there you go for the whole thing, artofproductpodcast.com. As always, you can reach out to me on Twitter. I'm the letter M, the letter I, Justin, M-I. Justin, if you're listening to this right now in Breaker, leave me a comment and a heart. That would be nice, too. But right in the app there, you can jump in at any time. You can say, hey, wow, this was interesting, or I've thought about this, or even right now at the end of the episode, say... Hey, thanks for uh, you know, thanks for making the episode. Whatever you want to say, I don't care. Uh, also, you can do this in another app called Castbox. That's uh, another app for iOS and Android where you can leave comments. I'm trying to jump in there whenever I can. As always, I mean, if you've got a new review for iTunes, that helps other people find the show. Uh, still, a ton of people downloading the show. It's the second most popular show by monthly downloads on Transistor.fm. I, I switched it over to uh, from my old provider to Transistor, and a lot of people still downloading the back catalog. So thanks for listening. I appreciate it so much, and I will talk to you next time I release an episode. See you then.